1: Welcome to First Bite. We are back with our midweek Detroit Lions podcast to bring you Lions content in the middle of the offseason with a special guest as always. But first, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. And with me as always for First Bite, Ryan Matthews, senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, welcome, buddy. I am one of two Ryans today. You are. Uh, you and get that's, two for the price of one, man. Yes, and some would say that's one too many, and uh, I wouldn't say the guest is the one that's too many. But let me let me segue right into that before Ryan gets a chance to jump in there. <laughs> you may know him as the, uh, a staff writer for our friends at Big Cat Country, the Jaguars blog for SB Nation, but you might know him better as a managing editor of The Only Colors, the Michigan State blog, for sb nation uh rhino is here ryan thanks for joining us
2: hey thanks for having me on guys excited to be here
1: so we obviously have you, you here for a couple of reasons the jaguars are a team of interest uh for two main reasons really one being that you guys have the first overall pick in the draft which kind of holds the lines hostage there and two being dj Chark. so we are going to split this podcast in half First, talk about that draft pick because everyone loves draft talk, and then we'll get into some DJ Chark talk in the second half of this podcast. But let's start at the draft. Uh, the Jaguars have made a ton of moves that maybe suggest they're not in the offensive tackle market. Let's start with the move of, of franchise tagging Cam Robinson. Uh, obviously, it's a short-term move; uh, it's a one-year deal, but um, it's a, it's a heavy investment in terms of money. So, so how do you think that factors into um, you know the whole? draft formula and is it a move that you agreed with
2: it is a move that i agreed with i i think i'm higher on cam robinson than a lot of people he's certainly not one of the elite tackles in the nfl but he's you know he's more than serviceable and you know i think he only allowed one sack last year um you know and he missed a few games but um you know when he's healthy he you know he's pretty good tackle um you know obviously with the jaguars right now the number one concern is protecting Trevor Lawrence, your number one asset, right? So I think tagging Robinson assured that, you know, they had a suitable left tackle there, um, you know, and not, you know, they could have struck out in the, you know, on the free agent market, or they could have, you know, not been as high on some of these tackles in the draft. So, um, you know, and I do think, you know, you mentioned as a short-term move, which is they franchise tagged them last year too. So it was kind of a back-to-back thing, but it sounds like they're trying to work out a longer a longer term deal with him. You know, we'll see if that gets done, but, um, you know, I thought it was the right move personally.
3: And and, and sticking with the idea of, you know, Cam Robinson at tackle, they also added Brandon Scherf, you know, to, to shore up the inside of their offensive line on the interior as well. And I guess that dovetails nicely into, you know, does tagging Robinson and getting a guy like Scherf, does that completely take, you know, Evan Neal and, uh, Ika Mcwanu off the table, number one for the Jaguars, because it seems like there was a plan where, okay, you know, the the Jaguars tagged Cam Robinson. They could still take one of these guys and play him at guard, and then kick him out to tackle. I mean, do, do either of those guys factor into to the discussion at number one anymore for the for the Jaguars?
2: Yeah, I think it's still too early to to rule anything out. Um, you know, this year is a lot different than last year when Jacksonville had the number one pick and everybody knew. The entire time that it would be Trevor Lawrence this year, there's a little bit of, of mystery to it, you know. I think obviously they're probably leaning toward um, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, defensive end, but I don't necessarily think that tagging Robinson and signing Scherf, um, you know, would eliminate them from taking a tackle at, at the number one spot if they feel like you know those guys, Neil, uh, you know, if they feel like Neil or, or Icky are uh guys that, that they can see as their franchise cornerstone and they could even you know have play them at right tackle. Um, but with that said, they also drafted Walker Little last year in the second round. who is was a guy who I think they're high on, um, you know, and they still had Juwan Taylor there who is a, who's the starting right tackle. You know, he's had a lot of struggles. Um, you know, I know a lot of the fan base might want to see a change there, but I think the team still believes in Taylor. And, you know, I think Walker Little could be that uh, kind of swing tackle for them. And, you know, he could eventually be, a long-term starter there. So, you know, I think it does seem less likely that, that you know, the pick's going to be an offensive lineman for, for a while there. It, it seemed like it was leaning that way until they tagged Robinson, um, you know, and especially with Doug Peterson now being being the uh, head coach who, you know, he loved to build his Eagle teams through the offensive line. So certainly, uh, you know, that's going to be a big emphasis for them. And if they think that what they have now is suitable and they don't need to take a guy, there that early with that number one pick, then you know, I think the pick will be an edge rusher, but I, w- I wouldn't rule anything out just yet.
1: Well, let's, uh, let's talk about some edge rusher options for, for the Jaguars because when the Lions, when, when it was assumed that the Jaguars were going to go offensive line, I think Lions fans had a pretty healthy debate over whether it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson or Thibodeau or, or, or Taven Walker or, you know, Jermaine Johnson he even kind of snuck into that conversation a little bit. Um, but at least from the outside looking in, it seems like the huge consensus is that it's Aiden Hutchinson for sure for the Jaguars. And, you know, I like to say that, that Vegas odds aren't real, uh, which is something that Ryan teases me about, but Vegas odds are ridiculously like it's like minus 400 Aiden Hutchinson right now. And I think everyone else is plus 400 or more. So from the inside out, is that how you perceive the situation to be? Is Aiden Hutchinson is kind of a lock right now.
2: Yeah, you know, again, I wouldn't rule anything out. We're necessarily say he's a lock, but I would say, you know, at at this point I'm thinking like 90, 95% that the pick will be Hutchinson. Um, You know, I think a report from Albert Breer recently came out that Hutchinson only had one private workout schedule and it was with the Jaguars. Hmm. Um, And then he canceled that after what he saw happen to David Ojabo in that uh, freak accident of the pro day, which is very unfortunate. Um, So, you know, I I think the fact that he had – just one workout lined up and it happened to be with the team that was number one overall. And he didn't, you know, bother even scheduling with other teams that probably means that, you know, he's, he's anticipating going there too. Uh, But again, it's, it's just hard to say because, you know, you got a new coaching staff, you got Trent Bell, still there as the general manager, but you know, it's hard to get a read on them, but, I would say that right now everything is pointing in the direction of Hutchinson and the Jaguars are, you know, they've really been looking for somebody to pair next to Josh Allen, at, you know, as a, another elite edge rusher. They've struggled, you know, to, to get Allen a supporting cast member. They drafted Caleb on Chase on, you know, a couple of years ago. He hasn't really worked out and all the other guys they've tried to sign and bring on. So, you know, I think we talked about how, you know, the offensive line is still being a big need. But, you know, maybe they have the pieces there already. Edge rusher is definitely a spot that Jacksonville needs to bolster right away if they plan on having any kind of success. So I think that's why, you know, Hutchinson, who's who's considered the top overall prospect not only as a defensive end, but by many in the draft, uh, would be the guy. I don't know if I necessarily agree that, that Hutchinson is the best player. Um, you know, I – okay, I'm going to try not to uh, bring my Michigan State bias into this, but <laughs> – I, I, you know, obviously I watched a lot of Hutchinson because I watched a lot of Big Ten games. Against Michigan State, um, he got to the quarterback pretty, pretty frequently. But then what happened was they completely neutralized him and took him out of the game, uh, you know, by just giving the ball to Kenneth Walker and running away from him. And, you know, against Georgia, the guy was nowhere to be found. So I just thought, I just thought that, you know, he kind of disappeared in a lot of big moments. But also, at the same time, you know, he had a huge season – he, he had a very good combine. He has, you know, everything you're pretty much looking for in a pass rusher and a guy that can be, you know, that kind of 1B to Josh Allen's 1A. So I think he would be a good complement to Allen. And, I, you know, I assume that is going to be the pick as of right now.
3: Well, so, so two things to that, like, I, I agree that there's some spots where Hutchinson may have may have disappeared to an extent, but then again, against Ohio State, he shows up on the biggest stage, and that's the game that really pushes him to the forefront to, to him potentially being the number one pick. All up until that point, it's Kayvon Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then Hutchinson en- enters the chat. So um, the last question I have to ask you, uh, Ryan, is where are you feeling right now in terms of where the Jaguars direct direction where their franchise is headed with Trent bulky, because I think that as lions fans we're pretty familiar with how much pressure Ryan Pace felt last year with the Chicago bears. And there were a lot of very kind of win now moves, especially with him and Matt and Aggie um, tied at the hip there. How, how much pressure do you think is on Trent bulky to a get a contributor at number one uh, right out of the gate, or, B, I, I mean, any rumblings of the Jaguars being in the you know the, the market to move back from that number one pick?
2: I think there's a lot of pressure on Bulky because the fan base kind of despises him. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys saw the whole clown movement, but literally Jaguars fans were dressed up as clowns and attended the last regular season game in some sort of effort to make a statement that they wanted Trent Bulky fired. Um, he's not very popular with, with the Jags fan base. With that said, I thought, you know, I, I kind of liked how aggressive the team was and free agency. And, you know, they were able to fill some of those holes that way. So with the number one pick, you know, I think now they they've given them themselves the option still to take, you know, is it Hutchinson? Is it Walker? Even I heard, you know, I, I have heard that the team is high on Walker too. You know, the other edge rusher who had the huge combine out of Georgia. So, that's a possibility. Um, you know, you still get your tackles there and everything. But, yeah, I do think, you know, obviously, if you draft a guy number one overall, you're expecting that guy to come in and not only be an immediate contributor, but be a difference maker for your team. And, you know, with you, you guys are well familiar with, you know, the Lions and their situation, but the Jaguars roster as it currently stands is not going to win many games. So, you know, I think a lot of these free agent moves and, you know, who you get in the draft and things like that is going to dictate really how much success they have. And I think this season, um, you know, I don't expect them to still be any kind of contender, but what they need to do is make progress toward, you know, taking that next step with Trevor Lawrence at the helm and eventually, you know, becoming a contender once again. So, and then as for trading the number one pick, um, Bulky was asked about that at the combine. And, you know, he said the team is open to it as we talked about, there's not really the one guy in the draft that you have to have. So if there was any, you know, any draft that you might want to trade a number one pick and get, you know, kind of a King's ransom for it, it'd probably be this one. Uh, You know, he said he's open to it, but they're also comfortable staying there and making the pick. He said he doesn't quite know what it would take, you know, what kind of all it would take for them to actually give up that pick. But, you know, he said, they're always willing to be shopping it around. You know, they're, I'm sure they're, going to have phone calls. I don't know if they'll actually end up doing it or not, but basically, you know, that option is on the table too. To me, I think the two most likely options right now is either Hutchinson at number one or they trade it. I think those are, you know, probably the two biggest uh, options for the team right now. You, you, it sounds like you have at
1: least a little bit of trepidation for for Hutchinson as a as a prospect. So I'm, I'm just curious on, on a personal level, who, who would you like to see the Jaguars entertain with the first overall pick?
2: Honestly, I was, a lot of the time throughout the process, I was higher on Thibodeau. I Mm -hmm. haven't got the sense that uh, the Jaguars are. I don't know for sure. Um, Like I said, I, you know, I've heard that they are high on Walker and they're they're high on Hutchinson, Um, you know, so I think Thibodeau is the kind of player who, you know, people question his motor and things like that, but he probably has the highest ceiling. Hutchinson is a guy who, has, you know, the highest floor. You know what you're going to get with him. He, he might not be a superstar, but he's going to to probably be a difference maker. And so, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at all if they drafted Hutchins. And like I said, I think he would be a good compliment to Allen. I just, I don't know if he is number one overall pick worthy, but I think, you know, when you look at this class overall, and it's a lot. Who is, know, right? Right, exactly. So there, there are a lot of, a lot of different options there. And I, I understand, I definitely understand why Hutchinson is at the top of the list. And, you know, if he becomes a Jaguar, then I obviously I'm going to follow him, report on him, you know, root for him. So whatever happens, happens, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of wide open to me. Yeah. Spoken okay. like a true Spartan fan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got one more before we had to break and it's kind of off topic here, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about the Jaguars free agency spending spree because, you know, Lions fans haven't really been on the end of just like the madness that, that the Jaguars seem to be going through, but they, they've had some off seasons in which they've spent a lot. And I know being on the inside, when that happens, like drums up a lot of excitement from the outside tends to draw a lot of criticism because you know, spending a lot in free agency, generally speaking, not usually a, a great uh, plan for success. I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are kind of overall on, on, on just the Jaguars free and free agency spending spree.
2: Well, my thing with that is, I mean, if you, if you have the cap space, then spend it like, sure. like basically, you know, people were really mad about the Christian Kirk deal, but when you look at the contract details, it's essentially a two year deal with an out after that for the team. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he definitely got way more money than I was expecting. I knew that the Jaguars were going to target him heavily and I expected him to sign with the Jaguars. Um, you know, from what I had heard going into free agency, I, you know, I heard that he was looking somewhere between like fifteen million and four and up a year. So he did yeah. get quite a nice chunk of change, but you know, maybe, maybe he will be that guy with Trevor Lawrence that could be the number one receiver. And if it pans out then you know, and he ends up having a really good, year and a good career there, then nobody's going to bat an eyelash at you know what his contract was. And you know, they went out and they got Scherf and they paid a lot of money for him. But he, you know, he was one of the top guards on the market. So that's just what the market dictates at these positions. And uh, you know, they also lost Andrew Norwell, who actually ended up going to Washington. So it was kind of like those two traded spots. But uh so and then yeah, you know, they signed A bunch of other guys. They got Darius Williams, the cornerback from the Rams, and Zay Jones. uh, You know, another wide receiver who came over from the Raiders, and uh, quite a few. You know, uh, they got Foye Aluakin from Atlanta, the linebacker. I'm pretty excited for uh, for that one. You know, they paid decent money for him, but they ended up cutting Miles Jack. So, I mean, I think they must think that this guy is the real deal. With uh, I know Mike Caldwell, the new defensive coordinator, really wanted him. You know, as his linebacker and It'll be interesting to see who they, st- who, you know, I, they probably need to draft somebody now uh, to put next to him, but yeah, you know, you got all these different positions that they brought in and you know, there are all areas of needs This roster needed to be bolstered all over the place. And basically like I, I, you know, I had no problem with the amount of money that they were spending on these guys because a, that's what it costs to sign free agents, you know, in, in 2022 with the, the cap space, you know, always rising. So it is what it is if you want you know if you want to compete because the jaguars have been so poor at drafting they haven't been able to build their team that way this is how you have to start doing it you yeah. know through free agency so try, try it another way <laughs> yeah right
1: fair enough all right uh we'll take a break here when we come back it's all dj shark talk on the other side so stick with us we'll be right back with Ryan O'Blennis from uh big cat country
0: You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we are back here on First Bite, our midweek podcast, talking all things Jaguars as it relates to the Detroit Lions. here with our guest, Ryan Oblenis, the uh, staff writer for Big Cat Country and your managing editor over at uh, The Only Colors. Let's talk DJ Chark uh, because obviously probably the Lions' biggest offseason move to date, at least a uh, non-in-house one, that is. Uh, so I want to start, we, we just kind of left off talk about the, the aggressive free agency nature of, of the Jaguars this season, and it was highlighted by a couple wide receiver moves. So I guess my, my first question is, why not Chark? Why, why was Chark out of the building and not part of those, you know, let, let's bulk up our wide receiver room conversations?
2: You know, it was interesting because, you know, prior to free agency, Peterson had made comments that he wanted to bring both Robinson and Shark back. So, uh, you know, I don't know if, if they had discussions with Shark or not or if they just let him walk or they thought, you know, Kirk was a better replacement for him or what. Uh, you know, I think a lot of, of the thing with Shark is he was coming off of a major injury and, you know, he also – had some consistency issues there in Jacksonville. So, you know, maybe they just thought it was, you know, best for, for both parties to move on. Maybe chart himself, didn't, you know, didn't want to come back. Uh, you know, it is definitely a little bit curious though, that, you know, they wouldn't at least have made a better offer from, from what I can tell to, you know, keep them around, but, you know, I think we'll move on and Jags will move on and then see you know, uh, which one ended up making the right move. Well,
3: Ryan, like you said, you know, the, the Jags just decided to go in a different direction ultimately. And they went with, you know, guys like Christian Kirk and, and Zay Jones. What, I, I guess I, I want to ask a question about DJ Shark is that what can he do and what can't he do? You talked a little bit about the consistency issues. Where did those seem to crop up?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, Funny though, right? Because when you look at Chark, he has all the physical tools, you know, he's 6'4", he runs a 4'3", 4'40", something like that, Uh, coming into the NFL, you know, he's he's a vertical guy, he can go up and get balls. But I think that was kind of the main thing with him is maybe it was confidence issues, but he definitely struggled with his consistency. And, you know, I think not to uh, really quote anything that Urban Meyer said, but one of the criticisms that he had for for Chark last year coming in was that, you know, he's a big guy, but he didn't play big. He didn't go up and get balls a lot, things like that. Um, and so I think, you know, when when you're looking at a guy like Chark, you, you look at him and you say, okay, yeah, this guy should dominate. And, you know, he did in that uh, 2019 season with Gardner Minshew. He was really good that year he showed off what he could do, you know, he was a pro bowler. Um, and, you know, I, I, that player is still in there. He just, uh, you know, he has to do it more on a consistent basis. Really. When you look at him, there, there isn't anything like physically that should be holding him back outside of of course his you know, his injury now. So going into this year it might be a little bit different with that, you know, severe ankle injury that he had, but, you know, he should have been a little bit more dominant than he was in Jacksonville and You know, I I think a lot of it had to do with maybe confidence and consistency issues more so than anything physical.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because I I do feel like I've seen Charka mention that um, a couple of times, you know, whether it's a a confidence or a mental thing. You know, he he said a lot of things about his mental health publicly and and been an advocate for mental health help. And um, interestingly enough, he had some choice words for the uh, the Urban Meyer uh, regime. As he told the Athletic uh, in an article that was dropped earlier this week, and so may- maybe that had something to do with the the divorce this offseason. I know obviously Urban Meyer's not there anymore, but could be some lingering feelings and and some of the things he had to say in his introductory press conference, like saying it- it's it's nice to be around good people, something like that. Certainly seems like a not so indirect shot at Jacksonville. M- maybe maybe the the ever popular Trent bulky. We'll see, um, okay. but uh, but. I, I, you kind of addressed it there a little bit, but I, I guess I want to kind of reiterate, um, do, you, do you think DJ Chark still has it in him to to be that Pro Bowl receiver that, you know, a lot of people might look at that as, as a fluke since it's only one year where he put up those kind of stellar numbers? Do you think that's not necessarily a fluke more so that it's the injuries and, and maybe the, the, the mental side that's been holding him back?
2: Yeah, I definitely still think he has that potential, and a lot of what he, you know, a lot of what he's going to do is obviously going to depend on the quarterback play. So, you know, sure. it's going to, going to depend on Jared Goff if yep. he's, you know, if he ends up being your starter there in Detroit again, which it looks like that way, unless the Lions end up drafting somebody. Um, but so, you know, obviously, it's going to be hard for him, if, you know, if, if Goff can't hit him consistently. But the, you know, the thing with Chark is, like I said, you know, he has all the physical tools and you obviously, you know, his ankle should be a concern. I'm sure that by the time the season starts, you know, he'll be back to 100% and he should be good to go. I don't mean, you know, maybe it might affect his his speed that he had a little bit before, but also, you know, he's going into a situation there in Detroit where he could be that number one guy. Obviously, you know, St. Brown had a, had a great year, uh, you know, breakout rookie year there. And uh, so I think basically you know that that could be a really good one two punch there in Detroit and i don't necessarily know that you know you're going to get the the 2019 version of shark but i think you can get a guy who's going to to go in there and consistently produce
3: are there um are there any plays from dj shark like throughout his career that kind of stand out as like a defining play that lions fans should maybe check out and say like oh this is when this guy was operating at his, at his best. This is when he was playing his best ball. This is a number one highlight reel film that every Lions fan should check out.
2: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like I said, it's twenty nineteen film. A lot of stuff is going to stand out on there. Um, you know, I can't remember who it was against specifically, but he had this one play uh, in the corner of the end zone. Uh, a dime dropped in there. where He, he double tapped both toes right in the corner with the defensive back all over him, and uh, that you know that's just the kind of stuff that he can do and that he needs to do on a more consistent basis. So I think, you know, certainly look at it, look at his 2019 stuff and look at, uh, you know, just kind of look at what he's done throughout uh, games too. And you can kind of see the game, the, the consistency thing that I bring up where sometimes he's just dominant and sometimes he's kind of a non-factor. So there's definitely, you know, I, I other than that one play, uh, I can't remember anything specifically, but, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think,
3: I think that's enough for lions fans because all off season long, Ben Johnson and Antoine Randall have been banging the drum to add wide receivers. And Ben Johnson went so far as to say like, yeah, like we need a red zone threat, like somebody who can be effective in, in that area and, and, you know, be big and make plays like that. And, you know, he certainly, as you, as you mentioned, like it seems like he fits the bill in terms of all, all of his measurables and, and things like that. So.
2: Yeah, he can definitely be that red zone guy and he can be that vertical guy too, even, you know, further out on the field. But you know, like I said, he just gotta put it all together and, you know, have the confidence that he can do that on an every down right. basis.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the, the lines were essentially missing that guy all season. Tyrell Williams was supposed to be that guy. He gets injured. Uh, Quintus Cephas was starting to be that guy. Then he gets injured. So um, now, now they might have two in Josh Reynolds and and, and DJ Chark, which is at least a little bit of insurance Um, before, before we get out of here and and Ryan, if you got another one, um, go ahead and be ready. But uh, I want to talk about the personal side of, of DJ Chark because I've, you know, I've only met him for, for one press conference and he seems like, a pretty personal, pretty reasonable, good guy. But um, do you have any e- either stories or, or, you know, things that he did in the community, anything like that during uh, during his time in Jacksonville that kind of endeared him to fans?
2: Yeah, as you brought up, um, you know, he, he's very open about his kind of struggles with mental health and, you know, as an advocate for that and depression and anxiety and things like that. And I thought... You know, that, that was a, a really kind of strong thing for him to do to put himself out there like that. Because, you know, there's that stigma in the NFL where these guys are supposed to be so tough and whatever. And I think that, um, you know, showing that, you know, they're human. I think DJ Chark is very is very good at that. And, um, you know, you think that it's very helpful for, you know, people – who aren't professional athletes, to see somebody like him who's willing to be open about that and, and, you know, get help that they need and do the things that they need. And I think that's, um, you know, what what you see is what you get with him. And I think, you know, he's going to be a good guy for that locker room. And, you know, hopefully he'll be a good guy, a good player on the field who produces too. But, you know, certainly I would have would have loved for a chart to uh, come back to Jacksonville. and But if he didn't, you know, I'm glad that he, he wound up in Detroit where I can still watch him every week.
1: And, uh, plus he shops at, uh, Ross dress for less. So that, that speaks to his character as well, in my opinion. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's, uh, let's close things up here. Uh, Ryan Oblenis, thank you again for joining us. I want to give you a, a quick, uh, you know, uh, opportunity to, to plug anything that, that maybe Lions or, or Michigan state fans would be interested. Uh, I'm sure their basketball coverage would, would be very interested in, in, at this time of year.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, check out, uh, <laughs> bigcatcountry.com, SBNation, onlycolors.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan O'Glenis, R-Y-A-N-O-B-L-E-N-E-S-S. And yeah, so thanks for having me on, guys. This was a blast. No, I'll say it for you, Ryan. Go Villanova. Go (laughs)
3: Wildcats. All right. And with that, thank you all for joining us.
1: We'll see you next time. It's chaos. Be kind.